0: This is Brian Steele, Preacher Boy, and I say, you better visit without your head.
1: Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and this is our Christmas special. And I'm joined by Krampus himself of A Christmas Horror Story and a lot of other cool things. We have Rob Archer.
0: Good to have Hello, you. Hello, everybody. Thank Hello. you for joining us. Yes.
1: And I, I've got my Krampus hat on for this. Uh,
0: yep. <laughs> so
1: first of all, it's amazing.
0: It's amazing uh, over the past few years how much the, the Krampus culture has evolved. It, it, it's actually really, really cool.
1: Yeah, in 2011, I did a video as as uh, Krampus. Not nearly as cool as yours, but uh, but mm-hmm. he seems to have really uh, gone wild since then.
0: Yeah, because when when the opportunity was presented to me, I had no clue who it was. I I didn't know what a Krampus was, so I I read into the folklore and found out it was the anti Santa Claus, and I was on board right that just with that, I was on board because uh, I've always been a fan of the bad guy, Darth Vader, Skeletor always rooting for the bad guys. So being the anti uh, Santa Claus, that was right up my alley. Yeah. So
1: what kind of things did you, uh, did you look up about them? Cause there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there when you start looking.
0: I just wanted to find out the basics and I didn't really want to research into a lot of what other people have done because I wanted to create my, you know, my own genre, my own niche with it and not copy anything that anybody else had done. And I'd seen that, no one had used their, their own real body for it. And, you know, my lifelong dream was to get my own action figure at some point. And I thought this would be a chance to, to do Krampus using my own body and do a totally different version of it and just use body paint. So I, I went at it that way. I told uh, the producers, I was like, they showed me kind of what the costume was going to be, which was very minimal, which was like a furry man's skirt and some gauntlets. And I would come in with my body dialed in at around four or 5% body fat. And then we just use body paint. So it was a chance for me to kind of do like a Marvel superhero character and combine it with an animal. Yeah. So they, they left a lot of creativity to me, which I really loved. Something you said there about dialing
1: you know, down the body fat. Is, some, is that something you have to do for different roles? Like you, sometimes you have to get bulkier, or sometimes you have to get leaner?
0: Yeah. Like it, I have a, I have a coach and I, I love diet. I love the whole diet process and being able to uh, go up and down and wait, you know, put on a little bit of weight, dial down and weight. Like it's, I, I get to puppeteer my own physique. So I, I love that. And then coming in with uh, doing the Krampus was really, it was really, really taxing on me. So what I had done, like, I wasn't just So what I had done was I planned to pile up photo shoots down in Fort Lauderdale and I was down in Fort Lauderdale for two weeks before I came back to Toronto to film a Christmas horror story. So I had all my photo shoots. So I had like a lot of material, you know, to put out for social media. And then as soon as I was done that, I I flew back to Toronto to uh, work on a Christmas horror story.
1: Um. So you know, I assume obviously you're bodybuilder and into fitness before you know getting to film. But was that yeah. something you had to do before a film, like uh, to to control the body weight and you know put on? It, body. Uh,
0: the whole fitness background with me, you know, has has always been there since I was since I was a kid. You know, and getting it like. I did a lot of bouncing, you know, right out of high. as so, soon as I turned 19, I started bouncing in nightclubs and whatnot. So I realized the bigger I was, the less people want to talk to me. So, <laughs> you know, I, start, I I ended up getting a coach and I started off at 220 pounds and I ended up at 315 and I stayed at 315 for quite a while. And it wasn't until I started dieting down and getting down into 290, 280, 275 that I really started, uh, picking up a lot more roles, you know, and I had i I've had an athletic background. So I initially got into stunts and I was doing a lot of stunt roles and then I, I wanted more. And it was like, you know, then I started getting two lines, four lines, 10 lines, uh, a guest star appearance. So, you know, everything worked in together. So it wasn't just one aspect that I worked on. I worked on a lot of different things to, to get to where I am today. Yeah. But oh, I, I do love knowing that i have uh, have an edge showing up like Big Rob Archer always shows up with an eight pack on whatever he's filming, so having that edge and not having to have uh you know a special suit made for me or something like that. It's like I walk in and I take my shirt off and I'm good to go with whatever role they they want to film
1: along those lines you said you know about getting you know a lot more lines in movies is um when did you th- figure that's like something I would like to do more of too? Like, you know, I'm getting roles as the big monster or the big bad guy, but I'd also like to do some more acting.
0: I think the, um, I really came through when, when I started doing lost girl, like I did the very, very first, the pilot, the pilot episode of lost girl. I played this big hammer tongue guy in the very first episode. And then I believe it was season three. I was brought back as another character because, the stunt coordinator on lost girl was saying, Hey, you've gone through all the stunt guys in Toronto. You need to have somebody that can do stunts and can act at the same time and keep them, you know, keep them relevant, you know, find somebody that, you know, that the fan base is going to take to. So Paul Rapovsky came to me and he had said, Hey, would you be open to doing this? And I said, absolutely I would. And so They started off with Bruce and we did, we shot, we shot an episode just introducing the Bruce character and they didn't know if they were going to go with it, but there was such a a great response to Bruce's character that I ended up becoming uh, a reoccurring for, for three seasons. And that's what got me working on my line developing and, and, you know, more of my social skills on film.
1: I would assume that would also help your longevity in the business. Um, not just being a big guy, but you know, also having the acting there.
0: Yeah, it did, it did lead to a lot of other opportunities. While I was filming Lost Girl, I ended up uh, landing uh, the Bioman on Defiance, which I played for three seasons as well. So I could be shooting Lost Girl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then shooting Defiance Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was really, it was chaotic, but it was amazing to always, always be busy. Yeah. I loved it we'll bounce
1: around to different things if that's cool with you. Cause I was wondering, you said, you know, you were at 19, you were bouncing. So how how do you go from that to into stunt work and pursuing movies?
0: Um, I ended up landing a, a role. I had no clue about acting, nothing. You know, I started off doing commercials and I didn't even want to do it. I was, I was working at a gym. I was a personal trainer at a gym when I was 19 and, the guy that I that was my training partner, like most of my friends were in their 30s and 40s when I was a kid. So his wife owned an agency and she kept saying, you know, I want to get you into doing film. Why don't you do this? And I, at that time, all I cared about was wanting to be a bodybuilder, which there, there's no no longevity to that. Realistically, there isn't. And so it took a lot of uh, for for her to get me to go and do an audition. And I went and I did. I did one. And it was the most horrible experience ever. Like I, I had tears in my eyes when I walked out to my car. I was so humiliated because I wasn't, I wasn't always, you know, defined with abs and whatnot. Like I was just a big kid, a big, yeah. strong kid. So my very first audition was for uh, Cineplex Odeon and it was a whole Cleopatra sort of uh, theme that they were going with. And I, I get to the audition room and I'm just, I'm this naive country kid. And I, and I show up and there's all these huge Jack guys there. Right. And I'm really out of my element. And so we go in there, they're, they're taking this, this, gor- these list of gorgeous women that, that are, that are going into the audition room with the, you know, the olive skin and the long black hair. And uh, then they, they would send two of us in and we had to pretend like we were carrying them in on a chariot. Right. And so we get in there and, and the, uh, the director of uh, the commercial is, you know, going on and goes, okay, guys, this is what we're going to want to do. This is, this is what I need you to do. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And it goes, okay, take your shirts off. And right there, you could feel me kind of (laughs) like, Oh no. And I'm with like the, biggest guy that was in the audition he was just monstrous and i i just felt so out of place and i felt stupid you know i'm sitting there you know sucking in my belly trying (laughs) and and i walked out and when she called me the next day to see how it went i go i'm never fucking doing this again this was horrible i'm not doing it again and then eventually she got me to go out and i started landing you know small small uh small roles and commercials and then started getting like Some background work but feature background work and then it just kind of went from there i ended up landing a role on uh a movie called uh bulletproof monk with chal young fat and sean william scott i don't even know how i landed that role but that's what got me into doing stunts because i ended up doing some fight scenes in that movie and i was getting really frustrated that uh sean william scott wouldn't hit me with this fake pipe and i was like I do worse than this on a Friday night. You can't hurt me if you wanted to. Just hit me with it and make it look real. Little did I know there was a stunt coordinator watching everything, and he saw me getting frustrated that they wouldn't wouldn't play the scene more real. They were looking at it from a safety perspective. And so when the filming was done, he ended up – I was at another audition for for another film, and he's like, hey, I'm Paul Rapowski. I'm, I'm the stunt coordinator and producer of Mutant X. And he goes, have you ever thought about getting into stunts? And I just said, I'll do anything to be on film. I don't care what it is, just put me in front of the camera. And so he, Paul, he's the one who's given me a lot of opportunities in my life. You know, he says, you know, you're a big dude, but you, you move really, really fast for a big guy. He goes, this is what I want you to do. And I ended up playing the, the code lead villain for for one of the seas, uh, season finale of uh, Mutant X. And then it just kind of went from there. We, we kept in touch over the years and he would, you know, uh, I would shoot like a concept video for him and then he would find a role for me somewhere. And then, uh, lost girl is where, where it really, really, really took off.
1: Yeah. And did you have a background in stunt work at all? Like,
0: uh, um, no. no, I just played a lot of sports and I could take a hit. So it was like kind of learning as I went on, like the very first time I went on wires and was running up walls and doing backflips off of it, they they couldn't bleed because I was like 295 pounds. And they're yeah. like, i have never seen a 295-pound guy do that. And I just was so full of piss and vinegar. All I wanted to do was impress everybody. And I just went balls out with everything. What,
1: is that, what's like some of the weirder things people have asked you to do as far as stunt work goes that like maybe you had to learn how to do? and
0: uh... A lot of the stuff I did, you know, the – a lot of stuff, there's rehearsals. So you kind of learn as you go. And it's like the last thing you want to do is say, I don't know how to do this. Right? You know, you have to accept.
1: People always tell me you should lie as far as movies go. Yeah.
0: I like to call that hustling. Very <laughs> <There you> good. <laughs> yeah. That's a better term. Yeah. H- hustle your way through. Uh, but there, there is a lot of trial and error and you have to accept you're not going to get everything perfect. You know, if you have that mindset that oh, I'm going to screw this up or I don't know how to do this then there's no point in you being there. Nobody does everything perfect. You know, that's what rehearsals are for, you know, and it's just learning the beats of a fight. Like sometimes, you know, I'll have an entire full day rehearsal. I did a fight scene on a TV series called uh, 13 with Stuart Townsend. And I had a fight scene with seven people. And that was a full day rehearsal. And that was Learn, remembering all the beats, you know, was, was really, really taxing on top of learning your lines and everything like that. And it was really, really physical because I'm the big guy. I actually picked people up over my head and I threw them, you know, so it was, it's just a lot of uh, rehearsal. Yeah. Not a lot of weird stuff. I've not, I haven't done weird stuff. Incident yeah. in the Ghostland was a little weird, but.
1: Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that movie. I saw it uh, when I was in England
0: for uh freight fest. While You really go all out. That was, you went all the way out there for that.
1: Yeah. It was the only time I've been, uh, that was the first time I was out of the country I've been since then, but it was, it was a, we kind of, we, we went to the festival. We also, you know, took the chance to see London while we're there.
0: Yeah. I I still have the full costume. I still have the full costume from fat man. I have the the belly suit. I have the sweater that he got blown away in. I I have the, uh, the fake arms. I have everything. Oh, that's pretty wild. Do you keep a yeah, lot of love, stuff from I love know? keeping stuff from films if I'm able to.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. I would. I, I, it's, it's funny when I bring that up. A lot of people don't. I was like, you know, I definitely would. If I, was, if I was in stuff, I'd like to keep stuff from the movies. Absolutely. How, how did that movie
0: come about? How did you get involved in it? My agent, my agent wrote me, and I, I turned it down three times. I said I, I didn't want to do it and because the whole the whole name fat man. I I'm, I'm talking to my agent and I go, I have an eight pack and I'm not, I'm not going to get fat for this role. And I didn't know that the, the director, uh, what's his name? Logier. I, I can't remember his, his name off, uh, uh, Pascal Logier.
1: Okay,
0: He had seen my, my character as the bio man. And he had seen some scenes that he wanted the way that I looked and I said, the way that I looked and I said certain things, he wanted that with his, with his fat man character. So the third time I turned it down and said, I didn't want to audition for it. My agent, you know, called me, goes, listen, you're auditioning for this. This is what I want you to do. I know you can do this. And he says, uh, you're a troubled, disturbed, you know, adult, but with the IQ of a, of a simple 11 year old, he goes, I want you to you know, show me range. He goes, I want you to start off with, you know, being calm and then escalating it and then losing your shit and then going right back to calm again. Like you didn't lose your shit. And, uh, my girlfriend at the time I I kicked her out of the condo. I said, I don't want you to be here for this because I don't know how I'm going to do this audition. I don't want to be watched while I'm doing it. And, to this day my agent said that was the best audition that i'd ever done he goes i did not expect that from you and one of one of my close friends was auditioning for it as well and he he messaged me he goes hey did you do this audition i go yeah and then we swapped auditions and uh his name pedro miguel Arce. he he's got a uh, an imd imdb profile that's like pages long like he's who work who's. He is who works with me on a lot of my roles and, and does a lot of my self-tapes. So him coming back and going, wow, man, he goes, I didn't even think of doing it this way. He goes, that was awesome. You kicked my ass in that. And then I ended up getting offered the role.
1: Yeah. Does that experience then help your um, self-confidence you know, as an actor? And also since you're, you know, you're covered up in the fat suit, you're not relying on one of your big strengths is you know, your physique.
0: No, it it was, uh, as an actor, no, because there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of lines in it. I think, uh, a lot of it was, you know, based on me being able to do stunts and being able to move in that, that crazy costume, because the initial fat suit, I, I looked like I was 650 pounds. Like the initial one was massive. And when I put it on, (laughs) I couldn't fit down the hallways and I couldn't (laughs) go down the stairs. Like the, the suit was that, that big that they, they had to, uh, take it down to uh you know less than half the size of it 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 normally was but it was an experience you know because i i was out in winnipeg which is like one of the coldest parts of canada for two months where nothing happens you know in winnipeg in the winter time and so you know it was kind of crazy like you know filming for two days and it's like okay you're off for a week i'm like what the hell am I going to do for a week?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> you watch hockey on, on TV or something. Yeah, pretty much
0: that was it. Yeah. Hockey and social media. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, the difference of that, because, you know, you mentioned when you're playing Krampus, uh, your body's pretty much exposed. So Where was that filmed? Yeah. Was, was that actually cold when you're filming that?
0: Yeah. Uh, like I said, just before I uh, filmed A Christmas Horror Story, I was in Fort Lauderdale for two weeks. You know, I, I lived in Fort Lauderdale for five years. So I had like a slew of uh, photographers that were friends of mine that always are up to, for, for doing photo shoots with me. And uh, then I came back to Toronto to film. My scenes were shot in minus 22 degree weather, you know, so people are like, it's really cool how they added that breath in there. I go, (laughs) no, that was, that was actually me. And it was fricking cold minus 22 at three in the morning. Cause uh, my longest day of shooting, I think I had two days at 22 hours and two days at 18 hours. So they were really, really long days. Not that I was out in the cold the whole time, but when I was out there, they, they had a jacket that uh, costumes had sewn in like pockets where you could put those like little heat pockets in and they were constantly refilling that. Like, so the scene where I'm, I'm running through the forest, there would be somebody at the end of the forest with one of those jackets on because I'm running around oh. half naked <laughs> in minus 22. Yeah.
1: Could you see uh fine, I, you know, you have a little bit of stuff over the eyes. I don't know if you have uh, a no. I,
0: I could see fine. It was uh, what a lot of people don't know was Krampus's face was layers and layers of, you know, pieces of latex. It wasn't like I just put on a mask and mm-hmm. here I'm Krampus. It was, at the nose was different. My ears were covered up. I couldn't breathe through my nose. Uh, a lot of the times I couldn't open my mouth too wide or I would split one of the uh, the latex yeah. pieces. So like anytime I did like a roar or like a hiss sort of thing, it would rip at the corners wow. of my mouth. So, you know, not, that was the first time I, I wasn't able to breathe through the nose and the first time my ears being covered up as well. So
1: how long of a process is that to put all the layers on?
0: It was, I had an incredible FX team led by a uh, very talented, uh, FX artist, Tracy loader. There was three of them and it would take the first couple times they did it with all three working on me. It was eight hours. And then they ended up getting it down to seven and a half hours.
1: Knocked a half hour off. Had you worked with them before?
0: I'd worked with Tracy, Tracy many times, uh, I worked with her a lot on lost girl. She was one of She was Bruce's effects artist on lost girl. So it's always nice to, to show up knowing somebody that you've worked with before and they, they know how I am and I know how they are and I know they're going to do everything that they can to make me look good make my character look good. Yeah. And it was my, it was my first, my first time having an all female effects artist team and they were incredible. All of them. Interesting. Um,
1: did it take time to get used to you know not just as Krampus but uh, whenever you get getting the makeup
0: on was that something you had to get used to or were you okay with it right away? Uh, I was okay with it. Like I had, like I said, I played uh, the Bioman for three seasons, and that was you know not as not as intense as it was with uh, Krampus, but you know the first season of uh, Defiance, the Bioman took about four hours to get ready with with the, uh, the body paint and the, uh, the fake traps and then the head prosthetic. So I was, I was used to it. Then Krampus just took it to a whole different level and I liked it, you know, like I, I would go in, like, I think it was by, by the set, the second fitting, you know, trace, Tracy's super cool. She, you know, she knew I liked to to smoke a joint and sitting in that chair for eight hours, I was like, come outside with me. (laughs) And she would let me puff. And then I would go in and I would just kind of go to sleep while they did the makeup. Right, You yeah. see you're in Toronto? Yeah, it was all in Toronto. Yeah.
1: I know when I went to Toronto a couple of years ago, as soon as you enter Toronto, you could smell the, the pot everywhere. Cause it was, yeah. uh,
0: it, I think it was right after they legalized it. Yeah. It's well, declared, being a stuntman dude. my whole life, I'm, you know, I'm never not in pain. Like there's, I I've had so many injuries, so, you know, ha- I'd rather have a puff than take a pill, put it that way.
1: You know, it's honestly better for you. Um, I interview a lot of wrestlers because I do a pro wrestling show. So, um, you know, a lot of them are in pain a lot. And is it, yeah. would you say it's from, and, and their experience, it's from the constant bumps. Would you say that's worse on your body than like just one, you know, one particular fall
0: hurts you The the
1: constant, you know, uh, grind on the body.
0: So the constant grind, like I did want to be a wrestler at one point when I was younger and then uh, in my bouncing experience, I think I was—I think I was about 21 when I when I did a couple of events for something called WWS, which was World Wrestling Superstars, and it was oh, yeah, all they the were guys. in Australia, right? What's that? I think they did. They did, is that the one that did a pay per view from Australia? I have no idea. They traveled all over the place, yeah. and I just ended up being one of the big bounce big bouncer kids at this one one place that they they held an event. They they did two events there, and it was all the guys that I grew up worshiping, you know, like, you know, junkyard dog, Jake, the snake, Roberts, Greg, the hammer, Valentine, and they were all beat up and sore, you know, and that's when I decided that's not uh, the angle that I'm going to go at.
1: Yeah. I've yeah. had a lot of those guys on my wrestling show. i well, not junkyard dogs. He passed away before, but, um, um, you know, it's so secret like Jake, the snake, a lot of, uh, a lot of demons, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of the wrestlers have a lot of, um, Issue. Yeah, they do. That's the
0: guys from the '80s, man. It was a. It's not. It's not the business that it is today. Like mm-hmm. back in the '80s, it was totally different. You know, go, 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 do WWF, and then we'll go out to a club and get smashed, and you know, drink and party and everything. And you know, it catches up to you. Yeah. And unfortunately, I. I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate that I got to see that as a young kid, like the end of their, their road that it, it detoured me from wanting to go that, go that route.
1: Yeah. And I know some people like kind of make fun of modern wrestlers cause they don't really go out and party a lot. They'll play, go back and play video games, but it's much, it's a much
0: healthier lifestyle. It's a much healthier lifestyle and it, there's longevity to their careers now. You know, they're still, it's still really taxing on their bodies, but there's a lot more, you know, health conscious decisions, you know, in the business today. Yeah.
1: Um, how about using a chain in, in Krampus? Because uh, I watch, I, I like the movie. I love uh, Christmas Horror Story, but I watched it again for the interview and I was like, oh, he's really flipping the chain around pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, di- I did that. I didn't even know I was doing something with the chain and I, I did that on the spot you know the the only challenging part was that was making sure it wouldn't wrap around my horns <laughs> right and i had ridiculously long fingernails that kept ripping that were glued to my own fingers that kept ripping off while i was doing the chain thing and it was just i I was really happy with how that turned out because i wild. didn't have a rehearsal with the chains i didn't have a rehearsal as Krampus doing it i just i did it on the spot and it worked out
1: yeah well, what, what was it like doing? Like, you know, it looks like a very long, uh, fight scene. I don't know how long it takes to film that, but you know, with all the, with all the Krampus stuff on,
0: it was challenging, you know, those, like I said, the horns, they were, they weren't light, they were fairly heavy, but it was, you know, making sure that my, you know, you know, that I didn't tilt my head to one right. side. Like I was trying to, you know, stay, stay, stay steady and balanced for the camera. And just making sure that I didn't uh, wrap the chain around my horns or, or hurt uh, the stunt the stunt man or George Buza when I did the headbutt. You know, having to be aware of all that extra on top of me, you know, it was a little bit challenging. It was that fight scene took an entire day to shoot from all the different angles and and whatnot. But it, I was really really pleased with it. I was proud of it.
1: Um, did you know George uh, before George Buza plays uh, Santa
0: Claus? Um, only from when I was a kid and I would wake up hung over on my couch and Sinbad was on. So, you know, I, I showed up on set and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it was really nice to meet you. I, I had no, I had no clue that I was working with him until I w- it was on the day. Yeah. And he, he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. How about when you see the finished uh, scene, when you finish see the finished movie, what do you think?
0: I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I do. Like I said, I was very proud of that movie. It was just uh, the only thing that was disappointing was uh, the distributor didn't really advertise the movie that much. Because when I did uh, the Toronto Film Fest, it did really, really well at the Toronto Film Fest, and I remember Cineplex reached out to the distributor and saying, "Why isn't this in our in our movie theaters?" you know, and then it's becoming like one of the, it become one of those quiet movies that nobody really knew about that. It, it's becoming a yeah, good I, I've noticed that over,
1: cause I really liked when it came out, but I, I watch everything. So, uh, but I was, I loved it, but um, it, I'm happy to see that over the years, like people, I think more people talk about it right now than they did when it first
0: came out. Yeah, absolutely. Cause nobody knew about it in the beginning. Cause there was no hype. There was no, there's no real advertisement for it. And a lot of people didn't have much expectations. And then, you know, with all the different like the anthology angle, you know, the mm-hmm. little stories. And then William Shatner was absolutely brilliant in it. He he just tied that whole thing together. Yeah. I'm a big fan of
1: anthologies. I, I always liked them growing up. I like Creep Show and the old Tales from the Crypt and stuff. So I'm happy that they've kind of made a comeback in the last few years.
0: Absolutely. I actually had that down when you where, where where you'd written like my my horror films, what did I like? And I, I was a massive uh, Jason Voorhees fan. Oh nice. Uh, Friday the thirteenth, final chapter and New Beginning are my are my absolute favorites. And uh, the creep show, the the original one. That's I
1: have it right here. The cre- uh, Creep Show in the clamshell. That's the first VHS tape that my mom bought me when I was a kid. <laughs> the the tape went
0: out, but I I, I still have the box because I think it's. I think cool. I I hold the record for the for most amount of uh rents on the uh the Creep Show when I was a kid from the local video shop. Yeah, I, I was addicted to that that monkey thing under the stairs.
1: That's my favorite too, uh, fluffy. Yeah, that uh, was lady. my absolute
0: favorite. That. Yeah. that that creature scared the shit out of me as a kid Yeah, and I just loved it.
1: Yeah. To me, it's got all the best elements that I like. It's got like cool monsters and it's fun and it's got got good P and when I'm older, I can, you notice it's got really good actors, you know, and then
0: it's actually like Stephen King is in that, that first video with the meteorite, you know, it's, it's so rad.
1: $200 for a broken
0: meteor. Yeah. I wouldn't give you two hilarious. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, I'm glad you
0: liked that. So, were you always a horror movie fan? I've I've always loved horror, you know, and even to this day I love horror. But I'm I'm not a fan of a lot of the stuff that comes out now. It's too it's uh, too too Hollywood, you know. Mm-hmm. I I like the '80s stuff, you know. I I still love all the '80s stuff, the original uh, Freddy Kruegers and uh, all the Friday the Thirteenth back in the day. I like it when there wasn't so much uh cgi and i definitely with that you know it it was more more the cheesy story you know you know going camping because i camped a lot as a kid so watching these movies like you go to sleep kind of scared you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i noticed that With
1: (laughs) i talked about this with my friend annabelle we both grew up like i grew up uh, near the state forest and she grew up out in the woods a lot, and I think people who grew up like that, uh, they like to they enjoy movies like that more because they they can kind of see themselves in it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It it, it adds realism, you know. Definitely. Like with the stuff today, you're not going to go camping and and like a helicopter is going to come in and all these people <laughs> are going to come in, you know, like right, fly right. out of nowhere. It's that creepy fucker that you think that's in the woods that's watching you that makes you sleep with one eye open.
1: Yeah, and the CG yeah. there's always. There's always, I think, just something about the weight. You can tell, like, the CG's not, it's not real. Yeah. And uh, I always, I say this, even bad, like, practical effects are fun. There's, like, a charm to them. But, like, bad CG is just bad and not very, it's not very fun to watch.
0: I agree with you. I like the realism. Like, you know, you can, you can have a massive budget and do CGI, and it takes the realism out of everything. But having, you know, more of a B-movie with real, Realism and because then you can as a person you can identify with what's going on in that film you can almost smell that forest or that right. campfire or what's being cooked there there's realism to it you can put yourself in that position so um how about your family
1: uh, when you pursued acting you know they must knew you were a horror fan do they watch your stuff now
0: uh, I don't really talk to my family. Okay. My sorry, mother tried to dissuade me from, you know, telling me that uh, I was wasting my time with my bodybuilding and, and trying to be huge and all that, that I was just wasting my time that I should have gone to university. But then when I started uh, showing up on, on TV, multiple TV shows and films, all of a sudden I was the good son. Yeah. I, I just, I just, I'm kind of the black sheep of my family and I've just kept to myself.
1: I, I mean, I can relate to, uh, I'm close to my mom, but my dad's side never had anything uh, to do to me. And so, you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I had nobody, I had nobody backing me while I was pursuing this. I just, I just did it on my own. So, you know, well, so I wasn't, you know, so when I did, you know, reach a, reach a point where I was getting a lot of attention, I didn't want anybody in my family, uh, trying to talk to my fans or something and saying, Oh, I believed in him. And, Oh, I always knew he was special and a bunch of crap like that. You know, I did this on my own.
1: I respect that. So, um, you said, um, you know, a lot of injuries. Do you have like a lot of, uh, lingering injuries now or.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to love the winter. Like winter was my favorite time, oh. but now I'm 46 and each year that passes, the cold hurts more and more.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I turned forty six in two months, but yeah, uh, I, I a cold bothers me for a different reason because I used to be about three sixty and I've lost about half my body weight and about one hundred eighty five now. And uh, you. I,
0: well, thank you. That, that's a lot of work, not just physically but mentally as well.
1: Yeah, the, I would say the mental part is when people talk to me is probably the that's probably the the main thing is just to stay focused. Um, yeah, because there's, well, there's a kid. lot of
0: habits that we create, like because I my biggest I was 330, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I wasn't like a fit kid when I was younger, I was always a big, big kid. And so what I realized with the dieting down process, and what a lot of people have uh, problems with is the comfort food and psychologically, why? Why am I eating this now? And it's like realizing the, the the eating patterns that we would have when we were younger that kept going as we were adults. And it's like eliminating those.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, because originally they want me to get uh surgery and I and when I looked into it, it really wasn't someone to do. So I changed my uh really, I stopped drinking, I stopped um, you know, I drink black coffee, and I don't on sugar or cream and Yep. Stay, stay active. And, um, I was diagnosed diabetic two two years ago. And when I, I reversed it, uh, doing this and now it's almost three years now, it's, you know, we're you. medicine and the last thing you want to do is be on a
0: whole pile of chemicals. What was that? You know, but it's the last thing you want to do is be on yeah, a whole exactly. pile of chemicals and right. good that you went and you did that because, um, you're just gonna, you're going to have a lot lot longer life and now that you understand like a lot of the stuff that you were putting in your body is what was making a lot most people can reverse their diabetes if they want to it's their diet Mm -hmm. and then you have people saying oh it's hereditary well it's in my family too but I'm not diabetic I'm not even close you know it's understanding food and your eating patterns that uh, really really help you. I have to say
1: even um, I had different doctors who told me different things and some of them had told me, yeah, you can't, you know, once you have it, that's it. And then I had younger doctors, uh, who told me, no, you can reverse it. Um, you lose weight and you get healthier and, and that's Absolutely.
0: what I did. And you pop, you move around better, you breathe better.
1: Oh yeah, much better. You know, it's Easier to
0: find clothes. A lot happier.
1: <laughs> <That's> what happier? That's a big thing too. Is the yeah? It cost a lot to replace all my clothes, but I'm Absolutely. fine with that. I'm not going to complain about that. But yeah, yeah, it used to be I'd have to go on King Size Direct and you know order things, and now you, you can actually go to a store
0: a and, and find stuff, right? Yeah, and, and you don't even feel good in it. No, you know, no. It's- you must've had a blast when you dieted down and lost all that weight and you were able to, you know, actually shop off the rack.
1: Yeah. I never wore, uh, I I never wore skinny jeans. I bought a pair of skinny jeans after I lost the hundred pounds for the first
0: time. Well, as long as you don't start wearing your hair in a man bun. No, 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 I don't, I don't have much left here anymore. (laughs) Oh, you're Bob. All right. (laughs) Just like me. Yeah. I
1: started buzzing it, but, uh, but no, some of my friends made fun of the skinny jeans, but, it was more of just like, "Hey, I can wear them now."
0: You can wear them now, so <laughs> you, you actually have a choice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's
1: better cool. than just sweatpants all the time. Yeah, in these sweatpants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I saw you were in a Marvel movie, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp.
0: Yeah, uh, I remember when I auditioned for that, and I Marvel so. I, I didn't think I had a hope in hell with that, with that character. And then my agent called me, he's like, they want to book you. And I'm like, are you serious? And, uh, it was a really, really cool experience. Like I'd always wanted to go to LA and, and film at the big studios in LA. Uh, the thing with Ant-Man and the Wasp was, I don't think they realized how big I was because when I got out there, I kept losing scene because they were shooting on a wide angle, wide angle lens and lining me up with all the other characters, I kept getting cut off at like my nose or part weight uh, on my mouth, and I, I lost a lot of scenes. So if you if you're watching the movie, you see a lot of my scenes. They're they're cutaway scenes where it's just me. So I lost a lot of screen time. I think I lost some lines because they couldn't they couldn't fit me in with the rest of the cast on that. I don't want to laugh, but that's
1: that's you know that's something I wouldn't think about.
0: Yeah, well, I, I got there and I. I wasn't used to, you know, all the, all the, the, the Hollywood people, they're, they're all like five foot seven, five, five foot six are all tiny, you know? <laughs> so I, I walk the set and everybody's just above my belly button.
1: <laughs> Actually, now yeah, I've was, mentioned that. I remember reading, I think it was Liam Neeson on one of the, on the Star Trek prequels. It was something about him being really tall and it, it caused some problems when they were filming things.
0: Yeah. It, it's always been an issue with me, you know, where it was like, Oh, we we like his size, but he's way too damn big. Yeah. Not what what also prompted me to start drop coming from the two ninety weight down to two seventy 270, two seventy five. Still
1: bigger than everybody, so.
0: Still, still, I, I look three hundred pounds compared to everybody, even at like two sixty five or two seventy. Yeah. You know, it's just mentally hard to drop that weight because I worked so hard as a kid to put on those extra ten pounds, right. ten pounds. It's like now I'm taking it away, but it, it's realizing I'll get more screen time and more more film opportunities being smaller. Do you know, uh, you know
1: Tyler Maine, who's he's in a lot of stuff. He played
0: uh, Wolverine. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a I did a horror con with Tyler Maine, and it was amazing meeting him because okay. his Beast Man in uh, the first uh, X Men, mm-hmm. you know, was was a big. Uh, a big reason why I started pursuing the film angle of things. Like I, I, I watched it and I was like, I could have done that. You know, I, I could do that. And then all these years later, I, I ended up, you know, teaming up with him at a, a horror con We're we're still in contact. We did dinner. We worked on a, a Netflix show called Jupiter's legacy. And, you know, whenever he came to town, we'd go out for dinner and, you know, you know, talk about stuff.
1: I saw a picture of that and you got the claws, which is actually similar to his, uh,
0: yeah yeah it was cool
1: but yeah, why I brought so. him up I, I like him too i've uh had him on the show and i have met him when i used to do a lot of uh conventions he's a really good guy but um when he started making his own movies he only hires people over six feet tall and that's so everyone doesn't look everyone looks like normal people then it's not like this one guy yeah. he's like way taller than everybody so it's like him and Derek nears and and uh, even i think even his, his wife is like six foot tall and i just thought yeah. it was
0: interesting no, he he's a great guy and he, I think he's got an inch on me height wise as well. Yeah, I'm five five, so he's uh
1: you're both yeah, way I, way taller than me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Tyler Tyler's six seven, if I remember correctly, and I'm six six. So
1: Yeah, I did a I um I hosted a panel with it was him, Derek Mears, Brian Steele, and Kate Hodder. And uh I was probably good for it because then I made they're all very tall anyway, but then I make them yeah. look even taller. So
0: that, that's a good panel.
1: It is. It was very fun. Men behind the Very, moon. very cool. Yeah. Did, do you know a lot of, like, I don't know, is there a, a rivalry between any, like, um maybe, you know, guys that are, like, when you're starting out, like, do you compete with people that that are going for the same
0: jobs? Uh. I used to, I, I, I'd always find out who also is auditioning and I would, you know, just physically, I would try to out angle them like thinking, okay, this guy's got better line delivery, but he doesn't look like me. So was, you know, I, I used to compete with certain people in, in Toronto, but not, not out in the LA. Like I just, when I audition now, I know I'm not just competing in a Canadian market. I'm competing against people from, from all around the globe. And it's, it's just, you know, whoever gets the role gets the role, you know, I just have a different mentality. It's like, it's not that they were better than me. They just, you know, brought something different, you know? So if I don't get it, you know, what I brought isn't what the director's looking for. And I'm fine with that. This is how I perceive the role. This is how I perceive the character. This is what I thought would work. And if you don't like it, then you go on to the next guy. Yeah. Is that something you just with experience you get used to and you you look at it that way? You get used to, because if you hold a grudge, you know, it just, it makes the whole experience kind of sour. You know, you, you get mad. It's just like, why the hell did he get this? And I didn't, you know, well, I'll never know why, you know, so just leave it in the audition room and go from there.
1: So uh the, back to the injury uh, uh uh thing, is there anything that is there, was there any one particular thing that, that like on a movie that you got hurt or is it just the, the con? No, I,
0: uh, because a lot of my characters are, are uh, stunt action, you know, stunt performer, stunt action, stunt actor. You know, I'm, I go in knowing that there's, I'm going to get banged up. That's what I get paid the extra coin for. And I've never had anything really, really bad happen. Um, and I've, I've screwed up my whole body. But when I was doing uh, Pixels with Adam Sandler, I'd torn my Achilles you know, nine weeks before we filmed that. And they were they wanted to do surgery on me because I was so damn big. There's like putting weight on that, that's not going to heal. And I go, what's the recovery time for, you know, surgery, and they told me it was gonna be like three to four months or something. I said, No, that's not an option. And there's a doctor in Toronto that worked on like Tiger Woods and all all these Olympic athletes and pro athletes, uh, by the name of Dr. Gallia, and he did the plasma injection where they, where they extract blood from you and then they put it in, in the vials and they spin it in this. I don't even know what it is. They spin it around for whatever. And they, they collect the concentrated blood and then inject it into, into the injury and it, it speeds up your healing like crazy. So it was, it was devastating to tear my my Achilles doing something really, really stupid by playing softball. It wasn't even any, there was no cool factor yeah. at all. Right, There was not like I hit a home run and, you know, something everybody was cheering. No, I went to pick up a grounder and it just snapped. And all I, I didn't care how I got on to pixels, I just had to get there. So... This, I ended up having a friend that had a link with this doctor and he did the plasma injection, probably one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life. And then I had to do hyperbaric chamber sessions uh, twice a day wow. for, for two weeks. And it sped up the healing enough so that I could you know, walk onto set. But then in pixels, I ended up tearing it again on set. You can actually see it in the film where, where I tore it a second time. There, there was a scene where the actor Josh Gad is, is coming off the back of one of the military trucks, and I pick him up off the truck, and I, I take a step, and in that very first step, my friend said he heard it snap again, and I, I, finished, I finished two more steps, and then I put him down, and then I went to the hospital again. <laughs> but the cool part was uh, Christopher Columbus rewrote my role in that film so I could finish doing the film but sitting down. So it was, yeah, it was actually really, really cool.
1: Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Especially, you know, for, you know, a really big movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just a a small guy in that film. I didn't have like a a massive role or anything like that, you know, so it was really cool that I made an impression enough that he wanted to, to keep me in right to the end. So I was really happy. It was a surprise. Uh,
1: Besides, I guess the pay, what's the difference between doing, you know, um, a big blockbuster movie and working on like an independent film.
0: I love them both to be honest with you. I, I, you know, yeah, it's a big difference in pay, but I'm good with both, you know, with the, the independent films, you know, the actor, you know, or the stunt performer has a lot more creativity allowed, you know, whereas in the, the big Hollywood stuff, you know, big budget stuff, you, you're more, do, do what you're told to do sort of thing, you know, and you just, you just go about what you're supposed to do.
1: Uh, my friend, Dan Yeager, who played a uh, Leatherface in Texas chainsaw massacre. I know Dan
0: very, very well.
1: I'm a big fan. Yeah, too. He too. I, does I hired him fun. for a
0: film that I, I did as well. Oh really? Yeah. He played my father in a film and, uh, we had a ton of different choices on what we were going to do. And when I saw Dan on the list, I was like, no, it's gotta be him. It's gotta be him. He's got to play my father in this scene. Cause, uh, the The character uh, Nathan Cross, you know, had a, a rivalry with his father, and there was a lot of uh, animosity between the two, a lot of aggression. And I, I took that from my own my own growing up, and I was like, if If I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be Dan. And yeah, Dan came in and he played my father in it, you know. So it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, uh, what, what movie is that out? I'd like to check it out.
0: It actually didn't do very, very well. Uh, my producer, you know, fell very short. Mm-hmm. I was happy, you know, because I, I was the executive producer on it, and I, I funded the whole film on my own. Uh Wakefield project, is that it? That's it, a Wakefield project. You know, that was probably the most horrific thing I've ever done because uh, there was... So much things that weren't planned. And uh the producer that I had hired for that, that had promised me everything was gonna go smoothly, every single day there was a problem, you know? And so having Dan come in to play my father, because when we when we went out to uh California to shoot this, we had no idea who was gonna who I was gonna have play it. So that was after all the bullshit we'd gone through that was kind of like the cherry on top for me was, you know, having Dan come in and, and shooting it came we brought him in just for one day to shoot. And it was like getting that done and smoking a cigar with him after, after we were done shooting. That was, that was the highlight of filming that, you know, I've, you know, what a lot of people don't know is that film was shot for under a hundred thousand dollars, mm. you know? So it was like, you know, people, you know, critique things. It's like, you know how far a hundred grand goes on a film, not very far. And I end up getting an entire film made, you know, you know, for a hundred grand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I brought him up. Cause he said, uh, he, he just wanted me to mention that he thinks you're a beast and that's in a, and in a good way he means, and uh, he would like to put you in some of his uh, scripts that he's working on.
0: Yeah. I, I would love to work with Dan again. He was, he was absolutely great. Yeah. You know, it's not too often where, you know, I've worked with so many people, I don't fangirl over anything, but oh. that day he's coming. in. It's like, make sure everything's all right. Make sure it's good. Make sure Dan has this, make sure he has that. You know, we're actually having aggressive lines, you know, together, you know, where I told him, I want you to call me a piece of shit, make this real, you know, be my father, you know, and he did an amazing job.
1: Yeah, I really like him a lot. I've hung out with him at conventions, and when you said a cigar, maybe you'll laugh because I know he's always going to the cigar bars.
0: Yeah, he also has I, a really dry sense of him. humor, which I like. Yeah, I remember emailing him and asking him uh, what what's his what's his preference, what's his favorite cigar, and I believe it was a Monte Cristo. You know, I made sure that we went and got uh, two two high end uh, Monte Cristos from like a good place in the cigar lounge in that in that area. So it was really nice to, to sit back and, you know, smoke smoke that with Leatherface. Yeah, you
1: yeah. Know? yeah. He's a great guy. Is that something you'd like to do again? Uh, or, or did that sour you on the experience of producing your own movie?
0: Using my own money? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I, I didn't know any of the ins and outs on producing or being an executive producer and the responsibilities. I just thought if I threw money at it, you know, my producer was going to take care of everything and everything was going to work out well, but there's just so much more involved. You know, would I do it again? Yes, but not with my own coin. Right. Have you ever thought of, uh, you know, writing or directing? I've thought of writing, uh, you know, doing, uh, doing uh, horror shorts or horror thriller shorts. And with, with one of my best friend, Pedro, that i mentioned earlier, we've spitballed a lot of stuff. But I think we've become norious at just talking about ideas. Right, and yeah. and
1: I understand. Really yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But the good well, thing with the, also, the shorts,
1: there are places they can go now. You know, you can do the festival run and then, you know, they pop up on Shutter and Amazon a different player. Our yeah, platform.
0: Absolutely. They do. But the the only thing is budget wise, like it's it's now you gotta have a much bigger budget to uh shoot anything because oh. of the whole COVID okay. protocols. And it's like you know, being able to shoot a short for like 50 grand or something like that, you know, is now going to cost you over 100 and something just because of all the COVID testing and all the protocol and, you know, whatnot. So now now it's a lot more difficult to have a cheap indie film.
1: Yeah, it's come up a lot with uh, uh, film director friends of mine. You know, I have friends with a lot of people who make independent film and you know, that doesn't necessarily hurt a big budget movie, all the protocol, but it makes it almost no. impossible for, you know, a small independent it film. Makes it
0: makes it a lot more challenging now, you know, because the, the the big budget films, it's like, oh, it's going to cost us an extra, you know, 100000 in testing, you know, per X amount of weeks. They have that money. It's there. It's back. But an indie film, you know, isn't backed by a, a big studio. It, it's by investors that you know believe in the script and and they don't want to put a whole pile of money it might have like four or five investors that are putting you know a hundred thousand, seventy-five thousand into it you know it's like before you could get away with that but now it's a lot lot harder you got to really really sell out the film you know to get an indie film going now yeah sell and out then, the script story
1: and then it's harder to even uh, make your money back with the movie
0: now with Absolutely. A lot of people try, still trying to figure, you know, the whole streaming out. And yeah, I, I never, I never got a penny back on Wakefield Project. I didn't even get my deposits on the camera equipment back.
1: <laughs> I don't want to laugh about that, but yeah. So, so how did COVID itself? How did that? Uh, how did that affect your career?
0: Oh, it. I don't. I know. Uh, Toronto was on a whole different different angle with with COVID, like there were there were t- we were on such a lockdown that you couldn't go like further than a kilometer like if you were caught walking more than like, a kilometer or like 500 meters from your home you would get carded by the police like it was just it was it was crazy uh The gym, my whole life is where I've solved all my problems, whether I was depressed, whether I was angry, I was frustrated, I was happy. The gym was always my answer. And it was also my social life too. Um, When they closed the gyms down, that, that gutted me, I ended up losing 40 pounds, you know, just because I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with anything, you know, because it was always, I'd figure it out at the gym. You know, and having having that outlet with everything that I did, all of a sudden was gone, and it wasn't just the gym; it was my social life. Everything was gone all at once, and then film filming the industry shut down completely for uh, over over a year. There was nothing going on; there was absolutely nothing, and it was like my income, my social life, my my physical aspect. Everything was taken. You know, and it's like you, you got to get past that poor me, that poor me kind of syndrome because there was a lot of other people in a lot worse, you know, cases. But it was, you know, I didn't lose my home, I, I didn't lose my business, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was putting into perspective that, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eating away at my savings, but at least I have savings. At least I'm not being hung out to dry. You know, I had saved, you know, a good chunk of money. It was it was disappointing to have to, you know, start using it, you know, at a young age. I was supposed to, you know, in my mind when I was putting it away, it's like I'd have this when I'm 70. And right. now it's like because of COVID and uh, what went on, it's like now I probably have, you know, an extra five years of work that I have to, to do to, you know, put that money away again.
1: Mm-hmm. Have things started to pick back up?
0: Well, this whole... Omicron thing, you know, they're they're shutting down. Like I just uh with COVID happening, I ended up taking a, uh, a security job for one of my buddies uh companies. And I was uh running all the security at like uh, corporate uh corporate functions and Christmas events and stuff like that. And it was it was easy money, it was really good money, and you know, the clientele was easy to deal with. And then with the whole like Tron Ontario just is not on lockdown, but they they cut the capacity to everything to less than 50% again. Yeah. And all my shifts for the end of the year were gone. So it's like right now I'm looking for another part-time job before, before films, like I'll never stop filming. I'll I'll go until I can't walk anymore, but it's doing stuff in between that I enjoy doing,
1: yeah. you
0: know, so running, running, uh, wherever, wherever they put me, I've, I've been around for a long time. So it's like, let me run things. You know, give me the outline of what you want me to do, and I'll, and I'll run the event for you. So I, I enjoy doing that, and I get that. Uh, I get that flexibility. Like to say, you know, if something does come up, you know, I need five days off this week. They they're well aware, you know, that you know, uh, I'll come and go. Yeah, you
1: have to have that for yeah, so you can still keep doing the film. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Have you stayed healthy during this time?
0: Uh I drank a lot for the first, for, for, for the first year, I drank a lot. Like it was like, what else is there to do? Right. You know, there's a, like, you can barely even go outside, you know? So it was like drinking a lot, but you know, like I said, not having the gym, I, I dropped a lot of weight and which uh, spiraled into a downward depression. Cause as the weight started coming off, you're looking in the mirror and you're feeling more and more down on yourself. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it It wasn't a fun time, and it not just for me it wasn't fun or easy for anybody. I don't think you no, know definitely not It was really, really hard for everybody, so it's like putting into perspective you know of what I need to do to bounce back from this and you know losing all of the weight and realizing I'm not that kid that you know I can go lift all the crazy heavy weight and eat ten thousand calories a day again and just put it back on it's like. You know, putting a bit of it back on and coming back up to maybe, you know, 265 and having to come back at it from a different angle, like just training totally different in a way that I've never trained before, rather than, you know, training with an ego and, you know, everybody in the gym is watching you, you know, and lifting heavy, heavy weight. This, I've gotten to the point where I don't care what anybody thinks, you know, with what I'm doing. I need, I need to do this and I'm going to train this way because it's going to, give me longevity with my own career and still being able to do stunt acting, you know? So if I start training this way, doing core exercises, I've never done that before. Like a lot of that stuff was when my, uh, my chiropractor was uh, telling me what I needed to do. You know, I was like, Oh, this isn't fun. This is stupid. You know, <laughs> because I, I always train, you know, knowing people were watching me. It's like, can I get a picture with big Rob afterwards? And it's like, all that is gone. And now I just train for, to make sure that I can function on set, you know, nobody's going to watch me do, you know, three <laughs> sets of 25 Fair. with like 40 pounds. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not exciting to watch, but it it's trying to, in the long uh, run
1: to- though, it probably, you know, like you said, it's going to help your longevity and then you're doing well. your yeah. work.
0: I'm, I'm used to training with an ego. I'm used to lifting with an ego knowing there's a lot of people around or he knows me from this. And it's like, you got to, I had to, this is, mentally, I had to let all of that go. And it's just like going and train for yourself going and train for your career. So it, it's very, very different. I'm still getting used to it. But at least I'm getting back. I've, I've uh, like I said, I dropped down to 239. At one point, I haven't been that weight since I was in my, since I was about 20 years old. So, you know, I'm back up to about 265, you know, which, right. which I feel good, I'm moving around, My my abs are coming back in. So it's slowly coming back together.
1: That's right. Are you working on anything currently?
0: No, uh, right now I'm just I'm just doing the security thing and and uh, training a lot and getting back to my uh, proper eating regimen. Um, I did a movie last year, last November and December, which really saved my ass. Uh, called the Man from Toronto, and that was with uh, Kevin Hart and uh, Woody Harrelson. I had a nice role in that, so nice. Great a count. lot of dialogue. I had a lot of dialogue. Yeah. So I was really happy. It was really, really cool to, you know, have a lot of dialogue going back and forth with Kevin Hart.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. By
0: mm-hmm. the way, if, if you go on, He's one of the most incredible people I've worked with, like Kevin Hart and Adam Sandler are hand down the two best dudes I've ever worked with on film, but having all that dialogue with Kevin, like he's just, He's mad energy, man. He he's just he's an energizer. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's awesome. So Matt, we mentioned this uh, before we went before I started recording. Was uh, I had in the notes about adding the tattoos in a movie, but as soon as we as soon as we get on here, I realized
0: that those are are your tattoos. So yeah, those are mine. Those are me. Um, I'm up to about 265 hours of tats. Oh wow! You know, yeah. Uh, could people go? How many do you have? And I go. I don't know. Like <laughs> they, a lot of them go into one another. Some i have had done over and added things to it. I've uh I have a, a tattoo artist that that I've been using religiously for well over 10 years now because if there is any uh any anything where I need to sign off on, you know, so there's no copyright infringement, you know, my guy will sign off on everything because he's done all my ink. And that's uh Scoop Mason in Toronto. He all does right. a lot of the celebrities and uh, a lot of the pro athletes, you know, so he does, he does all my ink. And if there's anything that needs to be signed off on, you know, like I needed uh, my character to be signed off on for a man from Toronto. Cause that was produced by Sony and they, they do everything by the book. So he's able to sign <laughs> anything.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, if
0: I, if I was using like five, six, seven different tattoo artists, it's a real pain in the ass to get, yeah, to get everyone, those yeah. signatures. Right. So yeah. having one guy that, you know, when I was doing pixels, they, they call him in BC at six in the morning and he's like, hell yeah, I'll sign off on big Rob. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's yeah. like, where else are you going to find a cat artist that, that cool?
1: Yeah. That's something I wouldn't even think about, but I know it has come up, you know, with other people about, you know, that the, the, the artist owns the artwork on the tattoos.
0: Yeah. That all started with, uh, Uh, the hangover when they copied Mike Tyson's uh, face tattoo onto the dentist, Mm -hmm. you know, they, that's what the, the whole copyright infringement really, really sparked the industry was that that one scene
1: Yeah,
0: because they, they didn't get permission to duplicate that tattoo onto the dentist.
1: Mm -hmm. So interesting. But uh, how about covering them up then? Uh, Like, for uh for Krampus or well Krampus I guess you're going to be all covered up anyway but
0: uh, are there too many roles you do where they need to cover up the tattoos uh, no there isn't like most most of the roles that I play they they love that I own the rights to my tattoos and that they can be signed off on because then that saves hours and hours right. of if they they have a character that they want tattoos on it saves hours of putting it on and then you know when you're shooting multiple days and having to add tattoos you know making sure it's precisely put because you have those people that watch and nitpick over the smallest little details. So all mine is me. I, I just show up as me. So it makes things a lot easier. And, you know, I have done stuff where they cover it up and <coughs> they know that getting into it, it's never been a problem.
1: Yeah. 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 And uh, it's all original artwork. So you don't have like uh, you know, I know like the rest of CM Punk as a Pepsi tattoo and stuff. And they always would have to remove that on like, box. yeah, that,
0: that would be a pain in the ass to to do. Yeah, you need a need a few signatures on that. Right, but mine's I, all original art. Yeah,
1: I do. I forgot. I do want to ask about uh, when um, a Christmas horror story came out, and you get to see that you're you know you're
0: a big part of the cover art of that. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea I was on the DVD and the the Blu-ray. It mm-hmm. was it was uh, when that all came out. I'll be honest with you, I cried.
1: Oh, you know awesome. what I mean, like
0: I couldn't believe it. I, I, I was crying, you know, yeah. because I was, I was kind of like this loser kid in public school, you know, and now, you know, after doing Defiance and Lost Girl, I'm the guy that's on the cover. You know, I'm the person that people are cosplaying. You know, it was, it was really cool to take this character that I didn't know a whole lot about and just add my twist to it, and it, it went. And so, to be on on the covers was really, really cool, and being involved in. uh all the film festivals, you know, for kind of hyping the movie was, was really, really nice. Yeah. Did you get to go at any of those? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did the premier, uh, Fantasia film fest in, in Montreal. I did another, uh, the Calgary film fest. And then I did, uh, the Toronto After Dark Film Fest, which uh, my character won two awards for. Like, I woke up the next day and like I had a whole pile of text messages and emails, and I'm like, "What is this?" That's like, I won one. I, holy shit! like yeah. I won best monster creature and That's best awesome. fight scene. <laughs> yeah, so that true. was that was really really awesome. What's that like to
1: to be in the in the you know festival with all the the people and watching yourself on the big screen?
0: It was trying to watch my mouth cause I'm a night person is like <laughs> oh. going up and it's like, it's not just me. I'm representing the executive producers in the franchise that put this together, right. you know? So it's, you know, speaking like Rob Archer, but without all the F words. So it was like being up in front of the crowd. It was like, I'm not speaking just myself. I'm speaking and I'm representing all these other people that I'm up here with. And that was, it was good for me, you know, cause I started uh, booking more, more appearances when, uh, mm. I was a lot more politically correct when I spoke and realizing that it's not just me, that I'm just trying to make people laugh. That it's like everybody that's up here with me, I'm representing them. I I I was
1: going to say that could be something you could look into too is uh, conventions. Um, I don't know if you've ever done those, but you know, doing autographs and stuff.
0: Yeah. I was doing them for a while, but now that uh, I, I, I did a bunch of lost girl conventions. I did sci-fi conventions. I was really, uh, I was really hoping with uh, after *Incident in a Ghostland* and and my Krampus character, I would have started getting into some more of the horror cons because I love meeting my fans. I, I love taking photos with them. I just I love getting out of Toronto and just meeting people yeah. and traveling. So, you know, then then once I thought that this stuff was going to start snowballing and I'd start picking up horror cons, and I, I reached out to my old Comic Con agent and said, you know, I, I want to go back on the circuit. COVID. Covid kind of took place and 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 shut that down. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, in the future, I'll get back to it because I really love meeting everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know a few people. I'll put the word out. I mean, they might not listen to Nasty Neil, but you know,
0: no. Any 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 hype about me would be appreciated because I like I said, I love meeting my fans. I love finding out why they watch characters or certain movies that I've done. You know, it's it's always interesting. Yeah. Uh, How can people follow you? See what you're up to. I'm not a big buff on social media anymore. Uh, Just uh, my Instagram is the only thing that I write uh, that I do social media on. I don't do Twitter. I don't do Facebook. So, Big Robbie Archer on uh, on Instagram is how you can find me or follow me. DM me, DM me with questions, whatnot. I, I love answering anything that comes my way.
1: Well, this has been really fun. I enjoyed having you on.
0: Oh, uh, thank you very much for having me, bro. Yeah, well, I'd like we to do it again. Spend a Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, exactly, and we can do it again sometime if you're up for it.
0: Absolutely, I just
1: got to do something worth watching again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to laugh at that. But, yeah, it made me laugh. <laughs> All
0: right. Very cool. I really do appreciate this. All right, man. Thank you very much, and have yep. a have a merry Christmas. You as well. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Have yep. a good day.